Welcome to New Shooter Canada. Please remember that the show's content and word pronunciation is simply the opinion of the hosts and their guests. Well, I like guns, and I like being free. Because I'm armed, you can't take that from me, and you should know it. Hi everyone, Mike here. This is the second part of our episode about dry fire. If you haven't listened to the first half, you can go back and listen to it from last week. Otherwise, I hope you enjoy. All right. Well, I don't know if I was going to say, if I'm the only one, do you really want to hear what my dry fire routine is? Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. For some we people... have one person listening to us. <laughs> and he said yes, though. <laughs> it's very exciting. Yeah. Did a great job on these notes. Yeah. Um, so for my... I, I have two sets of dry fire kind of drill sets that I do. Uh, one is my PPC one, and that one is pretty straightforward. If you've ever shot PPC, it is the exact same thing every single time. Like, you're going to shoot the same string of fires. The targets are going to be the same distance. The target's the exact same. Nothing changes. Nothing changes. <laughs> yeah, which makes it great for dry firing because I actually got an app, and I haven't, I haven't actually had a chance to test this yet, so I don't know if I can necessarily recommend it. Uh, another guy at the last PPC match I was at showed me an app called PPC Timer. And there are a bunch of the PPC matches already built into them, including like times and what you're supposed to do. So when I'm doing that, I literally dry fire the entire match. And I am focusing on my sites, stuff like that. But a lot of PPC is like, uh, at least the part that I find that throws me off the most is kind of like Appleseed is getting into position. So I'm spending a lot of my time, you know, how to quickly get into seated, kneeling, prone, stand back up, uh, shooting weak hand around a barricade, but not weak hand because you can still use your strong hand. It just has to be your weak hand holding the, pulling the trigger. It's just the way that PPC goes. I'm not arguing with it. Uh, but I mean, it's great. You can go through the whole thing if you want to. And I can use an actual PPC target because they use the same target. It's black and white, and I know the distances, so... Yeah, so that's what I do for PPC. It's pretty straightforward, pretty boring. Um, but I mean, it's it's good practice. When you start trying to practice for other things like I-Core, IPSC, IDPA, it's a little bit more difficult in the sense that every stage is different. Um, every match is different. There's The only thing that's really consistent are the rules and the targets. So, you know, you one day one match you might shoot a lot of strong hands one match you shoot, might not shoot any one match they might really like making people go prone because they're jerks like that you, you don't know so you kind of have to practice a broader spectrum of skills in order to so you're bringing more like individual skills to a match that you piece together in a stage as opposed to just practicing the entire stage all at once hmm. um i'm trying to yeah does that make sense here yeah. i was hoping you'd have like one or two drills I should really focus on for my match. Oh, I, I well, we haven't even gotten to that part yet. I'll actually tell you what <laughs> I do to practice my I-Core IP6 stuff, my set of skills. Like I said, this is a compilation of uh, various different books, online resources. Uh, I did not make these up. I am not some special wizard at all this stuff. I need someone to tell me what to do the first time too. So my first drill, I just call it the fast trigger pull. I already explained it where you get the random beep and you just pull the trigger as fast as possible. Yep. Uh, I do this freestyle, meaning two hands, strong hand only and weak hand only. So I'll do this drill three times over with each hand. Um, that drill I do for about a minute for each uh, position, hand setup, I don't know. Um, and yeah, so I just do that. I find a minute's kind of like my max and that's more because when I start doing weak hand, I don't know, maybe I'm just weak. I have a hard time after, you know, a minute holding up a two and a half pound gun at arm's length with my non-dominant hand. Yeah. Um, well, trust me, I felt that. I accidentally, well, not accidentally, whatever. It just worked out that I worked out and I did a shoulder workout and then I dry fired for the first time in two months and I went to do my weak hand and I'm like, I can't hold my arm up. Like <laughs> my arm is so physically sore right now. Um. Anyways, yep. So uh, then the next drill I move on to is just a freestyle draw. Um, I do, from here on out, I do all my drills for about two minutes each for each set or position. You'll kind of get it when you hear them. So I start freestyle and I start, you know, hands relaxed at sides. 
So I do a draw for two minutes doing that. Then I'll do two minutes of draws of and uh, surrender. So that's usually hand above uh, shoulders. I'll do two minutes of turn and draw. So kind of like your, uh, what's that drill? Is that the El Prez drill? Um, yeah, El Prez you start hand above shoulders, facing away from the target. So you have to turn and draw. Um, all of that is just to, my actually, and even further on in this, my goal is targets or sights on target. I'm not pulling the trigger. My finger's on the trigger, but I haven't pulled the trigger at all yet. Um, if you want, you can pull the trigger to get yourself comfortable. Uh, in the beginning, I think it wouldn't be a bad idea when you're first starting out to do it. Um, and that has more to do with you want to train yourself to be safe and not accidentally pull the trigger while you're still pulling the gun up kind of thing. You don't want to shoot yeah. the ground. Um, no, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, not that safety doesn't matter when you get better, but you find yourself less likely to do it. Yeah. So you're yeah. full. And I'm, I'm not focusing, like I do focus in the sense of like, I want to make sure my sights are on target, but I'm not getting bullseye. I think we talked about this different episode. I'm hitting an eight inch circle. I just need to be anywhere in that eight inch circle. Most of my dry fire, I am focusing on speed because I'm trying to get faster. Um, so I find that's my biggest struggle is getting the sights on target, you know, drawing from a holster, bringing it up. Yeah. Know, getting a post. Yep. It just, yeah. Yeah. The sight alignment. Um, mm -hmm. uh, what's that? What's that phrase? That kind of the, I think Appleseed used it like your natural your natural point of aim. Natural point of aim. Yeah. yeah, you wanna you wanna very naturally be able to just pull the gun up and just get it in your sights on, on target. Because yeah. if you can't do it when you're standing still in your basement with no ammunition, it's going to be really hard at a match when all of a sudden they say you know you're hopping on one foot holding a cup of water and you lose <laughs> points if you spill any of the water. You know what I mean? It's only going to get harder. So yeah, baby steps your way through this, right? Um, like. I, my my dry fire drill has changed because I have advanced to the point where I am working on different things. Like I said, most of my stuff, I am working on speed. I am trying to get faster. Um, and you're going to have to remember that you can't go as fast live fire. Even if you're pulling the trigger, you can't go as fast live fire as you can dry fire. You will always go faster in dry fire. Um, maybe for a one-shot drill, you might be able to get close, but don't get discouraged if you're doing an L Prez in your basement and you're smoking this thing in three seconds and then you go to the range and you're like, wow, I did it in three seconds, but I didn't hit anything. Or, oh my gosh, it just took me 10 seconds to do it. You know, there, there is going to be a gap and I can't say what percentage or how many seconds to add on. It's just, there's going to be a longer time. So don't be discouraged by that. That's normal. And I would really practice the drills before you actually do them life at the range i've actually seen people do the el presidente and draw the firearm facing everybody where they swept everybody in the firing line all excited <laughs> and they went to do it and they drove right and it was a live firearm oh wow yeah. yeah you've never seen so many people drop to the floor so fast in your life yeah so yeah always yeah. practice any of the the, the, the drills before, you know dry firing before you actually do any live stuff yeah that's a good point and that's where like turn and draw really comes in and i've actually had sarah come down watch me do my turn and draw sometimes because I'll be going and I'll be thinking to myself, am I drawing the gun before I'm already turned around? So I'll get Sarah to come down, not that she's an official SO or anything, but I just need that, that third person perspective to tell me like, Hey, am I going as fast as I think I am or am I okay? So it's a good idea. Yeah. I mean, you could easily do that if you wanted to set up your, your phone with a camera running video running. You could do that and you could try and catch yourself, air quote, catch yourself doing that. But a lot of people do that too. They'll, they'll actually videotape what they're doing and they'll videotape their matches as well. And then they'll critique themselves afterwards. I've videotaped my dry fire in the past. And to be honest, I found it, I personally, not saying that other people don't find good use out of it, I just found it to be a waste of time. Just like spending all that time reviewing the video. I'm like, yeah, I already know I screwed up. Why am I watching myself screw up again? <laughs> right? Because then they can go on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that would hurt me because I'd feel like I look stupid and I would just keep thinking about how I look while I'm doing it. That's the point. If that's going to bother you, then don't do it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You're better off to get Amanda to sit there and be like, hey, you just swept everyone. Like, okay, I don't need to practice <laughs> more. You know? Yeah. And not that Amanda would feel comfortable having a gun pointed at her, but at least she right. knows that it's unloaded <laughs> and you can, she can force you to show her that it is unloaded before you start your drill too. Right. Um, so 
So after that, after the turn and draw, I do strong hand only draws. So I'm just drawing it and only taking my air quote, taking my shot with my strong hand. I not, once again, not pulling the trigger, just getting the sights on target. Um, also things like that, you want to be focused. Like what's your weak hand doing, right? Is it just dangling out there or are you tucking it close to your chest, right? Are you turning and blading your body or do you stand and stay square? I'm not saying that that's uh, blading your body is right or wrong. Sometimes it makes sense to do it. Sometimes it doesn't. That's just something that you may want to practice and figure out what you do. So that, like I said, so a lot of it, it's just that you know what you're doing so that when you go to a match or to the range, nothing's surprising you in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, I do weak hand draws. So that's take the gun out of the holster, switch hands and point at target. Um, I feel like that's a lot more popular in Icor than it is in any of the other games, but it does still happen sometimes. Um, actually, you know what? That doesn't happen at all in IDPA because I believe IDPA has a rule that says if you if it's if you're only shooting weak hand, you have to start with the gun in your weak hand. You can't draw and switch hands. Oh, okay. As opposed to, I, I'm pretty sure in IDPA, you they can make you shoot like shoot regularly and then switch to weak hand, but they can't make you draw and switch. Okay. And I, you know what? Epsic might even have the same rule tool. I don't know. But I practice it anyways, but that's just because I want to be good. And I want to do that in PPC, so you get yeah. that practice. Yeah, that's a good point. Yep. So, I mean, it's once again, it's one of those things. I feel comfortable with it. Like, I do a bunch of, you'll find out, I do a bunch of weak hand stuff. So that when I roll up to a match, and if you ever go to a match and you, there's a stage with weak hand in it, you could just sit there and listen to the people groan. Oh, we can't. I suck at that. I can't hit anything. Oh, yeah. gee, this is going to be terrible. And I, <laughs> and honestly, I, I almost, you know, I get fueled by that because I'm like, yeah, I'm going to destroy you on this because <laughs> I practice it so much. Well, it's <laughs> funny everybody complains about it, but nobody spends the time to practice, right? Yeah, and that that actually blows my mind. If you're going to spend that much time complaining about it, then you should practice it. If you don't know what to practice, think about what you complained about at your last match. You probably should practice exactly. that. Unless you're yeah. complaining about, you know, the jerk who forgot, you know, your buddy who's supposed to be carpooling with you when he forgot to pick you up and he was halfway there and you missed the first stage <laughs> of the match. Yeah, okay, that's different. But, yeah, if you're complaining about something, if you if you say to yourself, oh, geez, I hate going prone or whatever else your, your, your sport, your game comes up to, because that's actually something I forgot to mention. This applies to any game with any gun, right? You, and I'm sure that the, the top tier people at Maple Seed, I bet you they dry fire the heck out of this. They probably practice getting into those positions so that when it comes time to actually do it, they have complete confidence. I know exactly how to get down to prone without an issue. If you want to get your maple seed patch, you better dry fire before you go because they're only one day shoots or not two day shoots like in the States. Yeah. So you don't, you don't have as many chances for the, uh, for the, for the, for the patch. Yeah. And your time is so tight. You have to have your reloads down pat because that's, what's going to screw you. Yep. And even, uh, I don't do it because I don't shoot enough shotgun games, but I think if you, I think if you're shooting any of the like Olympic level shotgun stuff, I think technically you're supposed to start with like butt on belt, not your butt, the butt of the gun in your shoulder. So that's something that you'd want to practice too. Just getting that gun from the belt up to your shoulder and getting that good head position every single time so that when you go to actually shoot live, you're, you're not fumbling. You're not having that, oh, I could have had a perfect round there, but I spent all my time trying to get my cheek just right on the gun. Well, that's something you could practice at home. You don't need to be shooting live rounds just to practice that. Um, anyway, after we can draw, I do my, I do reload drills. Um, there's a lot of different ways you can do reload drills. Um, I've heard a lot of people talk about the, the Burkett reload if you're doing semi-autos, which is where... You bring the magazine up and you, like, just the tip, I think, pretty much goes into the gun. You don't need to slam it all the way home. You don't need to make the slide go forward. Now, this, once again, I think this is more of a, once you're comfortable with your reloads, you could do that. And that's because I feel like getting the magazine in the uh, in the pistol is the, oh, air quotes, the hardest part of the reload, at least for beginners. And it's also where you can gain a lot of speed. Um, for you, Josh, as a beginner, I would go through the whole drill right from beginning to end. Um, I would even recommend, if you can, put a dummy round in that magazine so that when you put that magazine in, you can send the slide forward and actually pick up the round with it. Um, Does it help you too to have it like a more uh, realistic weight of a loaded firearm rather than 
you know, doing I, it and lighter. I think that's a good idea. The yeah. downside to that is it means you need at least 10 dummy rounds with you. Right. Right. If you have them, great. I think it's a great idea. I've actually heard of some people who I think what they'll do is they'll take their magazine apart and they like they know how much a full magazine weighs and they will put that many bullets into the magazine just so it has the proper weight to it. Mm-hmm. Like think about and now this applies a lot more to the Americans where they have like those big stick magazines with 26 rounds in them or something like that. Right. Right. They want to weight it, but they don't want to have 26 dummy rounds in there. So they they put literal weights in the bottom of it just so that they put a couple dummies in the top and it and it feels just like a regular mag. Uh, you pretty much need a dummy round the top anyways because I have my dry fire with with semi autos is a little bit a lot more limited, but I have found that if you don't have a dummy round in there, sometimes that dummy round it it uh, it essentially rounds out the top of the magazine, makes it a little bit more pointed. In a sense. Right. Um, if you don't, then you literally have the giant U that could catch on something on its way in, and then you'll kind of get like a false reading of whether you know you screwed up or something else screwed up. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, and like I said, for you, if it's an IDPA match, uh, I guess this is a simple thing, nah, simple but a pain in the butt. You're probably only going to be doing your reloads from uh, an empty gun, which means your slides back. So you're going to want to practice putting that magazine in and sending that slide forward, whether that is you know pulling back on the slide and and slingshotting it forward or hitting the uh the slide release it's up to you how you want to do it but mine, mine usually slides forward when i slam the mag in so then that is also something else to practice yeah. i know that the mnps and sarah has mnps um yeah if you slam the magazine in then it will go forward but you have to slam it and kind of glance your hand off at just the right angle to cause yep. the right kind of, I don't know what momentum yep. shaking of the gun for the slide to go forward. Mm-hmm. So I mean, that's yeah, something kinda, that... I've kind of, I've kind of got that honed in. I think I'm good yeah. at that. Well, <laughs> yeah. You just have to put it, you just have to put yours in just a little bit of pressure and it slides forward. If you put it in slowly, it won't go. As long as you put a little bit of force, it, it usually just slides the, the slide forward. Yep. Um, and for IDPA specifically, now they, I know they changed the rules. They can't force you to do it, but they do have what's called a reload with retention, which is when you have ammunition left in your magazine, but you want to put a fresh one in, you have to retain that magazine. You have to retain that ammo. And okay. the reason for that is because we're in a air quote, real combat situation, and you would never leave ammo behind if you were in a real combat situation. You would want to bring right. everything with you in case you needed it later. So... If you were going to, if you, honestly, Josh, I would almost recommend to you not to bother if you're not really experienced in IDPA and action shooting. But I mean, after your first match, I would definitely say go ahead and start learning and practicing that. If you want to now, like you have, you have over a month to practice this. If you want yeah. to, I would say go ahead actually and just start learning it now, how to do mm-hmm. a reload of attention. You won't find it. You probably won't do it. There's not a lot of cases where it's actually beneficial to do it. And to be honest, it's only really beneficial if you are good at it. More people screw those reloads up than they do actually benefit from them. So you want to make sure you're good at it before you do it at a match. So find some it's tricky. Reload with retention. All right. Yeah. It. It's it's tricky to do. It really is. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the other thing too, also um, part of the reload is dropping an empty mag, right? Oh, I have found that some guns, I think my 1911, if it's an empty mag, it doesn't always like dropping the mag all the way. Sometimes it gets caught because there's just not enough weight pulling it out. So that's something else yeah. to also consider. Or depending on your magazine release, you might have to push in a lot or push in a little. And if you have to push in a lot and you're practicing without an empty mag in there, you might find out when you go to the range, you're not pushing it in enough. Mm-hmm. So once again, that's also the kind of thing that I think at least when it comes to like the mag- magazine button, after time, you will know what it takes to do it. And you'll probably just button mash it as hard as you can anyways. So right. in time, you might not need to put that empty mag in because it's one more thing to pick off off the ground between each time, each rep. Um, but Well, it still keeps it more realistic, though. I mean, mine, oh, yeah. mine do fly, fly out pretty easy. So yeah. um, Make sure you, if you're not doing it on carpet, you put something like a pillow underneath you because those magazines are going to come crashing down. And if it's on your hardwood floor, you're going to kick yourself when you put a dent in them or your concrete. You'll be <laughs> mad when you break a magazine, when you're just dry firing, you'll say, ah, why did I do well, that? That wasn't worth it. The range is concrete. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And I actually have a friend I'm trying to remember. He, he's actually my friend who shoots uh, 44. And he, uh, one of the, he told me that he doesn't shoot his semi-autos over the winter 
this is how he started shooting revolvers. Um, he doesn't shoot his or his semis in the winter because he doesn't like his mags dropping on the concrete floor. <laughs> so he switches to a revolver where they where it's moon clips and he doesn't care. Get some little yeah. bumper pads. Yep, you can get bumper yeah. pads. You can put little things on the bottom. Um, IDPA All depends how they hit, though. Yeah, IDPA had a bunch of dumb rules about what you can put on for bumper pads, and if it moves you to another division, that's. So I guess I, I guess I didn't realize I wasn't drawing a loaded pistol. So I'm I'm drawing and then I'm racking the slide open and I'm loading. That's basically how it works with IDPA. Sorry, I don't understand what you're saying. Well, you you said when I'm loading, it's going to be with the uh, with the chamber open to practice oh. that way. Yeah, sorry. What I meant by that is an IDPA. You have unless you're doing a reload with retention where you're keeping your ammo that you shot, you're going to be shooting until your gun goes to slide lock. Okay. So you'll want to practice like, oh, my gun's in slide lock. Drop magazine, put new magazine in, and gotcha. I know you said your slide goes forward, but for other people who doesn't, you'll want to practice making your slide go forward. Yeah. Because yep. it can be awkward. Some people think, oh, yeah, I'll just hit this little slide release. And I think the Glocks are notoriously small, their slide release. My PPQ, it is massive. It's like half the gun, which I like because I use that slide release. I don't do the, the slingshot method. So it's just something that you need to practice. And also, sometimes you don't realize how hard it is to push down that little button there. There's so much spring tension <laughs> on it that you might find that it's not worth it or you can't do it quickly. Yeah, and, I, and you know, the problem. I would never recommend this slingshot method either. Yeah, because well, I've seen so many people. It it works, but you're better off. I'd say half the time when you you go to pull it back, you actually slow down the the, the speed of the slide because you don't let it go fast enough, or you you hold it a little bit, but it goes. Yeah. And it doesn't have just enough energy. Yeah, to strip I've, that I've, round off and chamber it. Yeah, I've heard both ways, right? Because I've heard some people say, "I'd rather rack the slide because no matter what gun I pick up." You always rack, you can always rack the slide, but when it comes to the the slide release, not necessarily all work, not necessarily all work in the same spot. Or and by work, I mean they don't work in the sense of they're too small and they're hard to reach, they're too heavy, things like that. You don't um, have to spend any time thinking about it or yeah, looking. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you can rack a slide, then you can do any handgun, right? If you only point. ever if you good only point. have a slide release, then now once again though that's. For someone who may be changing a lot of guns, maybe you're just getting into it and you're not sure if you're going to keep this gun as your competition gun. But I mean, if you talk to guys who, you know, people who are trying to climb the ranks or they've been doing it for a long time, they probably have this thing narrowed down. They have their favorite gun that they use 99% of the time. And yeah, if you want to do something slightly different, something that's peculiar to that gun, then you may want to. Even your automatic slide going forward, that's something peculiar to your gun. Not every gun will do that. So, I find a, a lot of the uh, law enforcement in the military, they'll do this thing shot. Because yeah. yep. like you said, different firearms, they just want to let it go. But as I said, I use the same platform all the time. I know where all my 1911s have extended slide stops and where everything, just, I, with just my, my eyes closed, I know where all the controls are. I can just do it yep. instinctively. Right. So. Yep, and that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, me personally, so for me with my revolver, I start my dry fire with gun up, trigger pulled i pretend like i just shot my last shot and i go through the whole routine just like i said to josh right have your empty mag in with your slide locked back gun up like you just took your shot and then you know at the beep the start time you go into your reload you drop your magazine put a new one in for you you put your slide back i go through the whole thing i you know i take it out i pretend to eject uh, empty casings and the reason for that is because i don't want to have to keep bending over and picking them up also, empty casings are a pain in the butt to get into a revolver when they're on moon clips because you're essentially because they're essentially like wad cutters. There's no guide to guide them in. So you're trying to get eight simultaneously in at the same time. I would just be wasting a lot of my dry fire time if I try to get that in. So I just don't do that. Um, I will. I'd just, be very impressed if you could. <laughs> I, I've done it. But it's, it's not worth your time and effort. Um, oh, it takes like 30 seconds. You have to wiggle the ball. This one's yeah. not going in. This one's yeah. not going in. Yeah. yeah. It is good practice to do. And I always did it with my uh, with my GP100. But that was because I had problems with ejecting cases in that gun. So I needed to practice to make sure that I could reliably eject all the cases. With the moon clip, it's really not big of a deal because if one case is quote unquote stuck, it's still, st it's still attached to the moon clip and the moon clip will pull all of them out anyways. Um, but yeah. Um, and then, yeah, so I, I eject it. I put a new uh, moon clip in and I even close the cylinder and bring the gun back up. Um, 
I don't follow that whole Burkett thing where like you just start putting in the magazine. And the reason for that is because when I started shooting, at least dry firing seriously with the moon clips and the revolver, I would having difficulty with after the moon clip went in of getting the cylinder closed and getting my weak hand grip back on properly in a quick and efficient way where it was actually on good. So I needed to practice that entire sequence. So I just got used to practicing the whole thing. Um, I will say this, if you screw something up, unless like Josh, I'm just thinking if you were to bring up your magazine and you miss your gun and you just launch it in the air, like, okay, yeah, you're, you're okay. That, that round done. But I mean, if you yeah. put it, the gun, the mag in and the slide doesn't go forward, what do you do? You still need to know how to do it. Yeah, yeah for sure. Exactly. Um, yeah. so it, that's a great time. You do that and you're probably going to do it and you're going to go crap. And then you're going to like, okay, how do I do this? And you're going to figure it out. But you do that enough times that when you go to a match and that happens in the match, you're not even going to think about it. You're just going to do it. It's just like mm -hmm. practicing uh, practicing your malfunction drills, right? You're just going to have it so burnt into your brain that the second that it happens, you're not even going to think about it. You're just going to do it and keep going. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I know Sarah, what was her problem? She had a problem with one of her guns and it kept malfunctioning in some very peculiar way. And I remember, so she would she was dry firing it to practice like how to actually do it. I remember she would go to a match and she would just she would just, just dominate those uh, those malfunctions like they were nothing. And people would always be so impressed by how good she was at it because she practiced it because she knew it would happen. So she practiced it. Oh, that was her uh, her 1911 9mm. Wasn't she having issues with that? Oh, she's had. Yeah. Well, that gun's had a ton of issues. Right? But well, it's yeah. like when I had my extraction issues on my victory, I was really good at clearing the. <laughs> clearing the the yeah. extraction and switching bags and <laughs> yeah that, that's a very good point it, it's a malfunctioning exactly. gun makes you really good at those things yeah it, it does right um while we're on that topic i would say that practicing malfunctions is good for practice but it's definitely something that you should you tend to practice in the beginning and then like i don't practice malfunctions anymore and it's not that i'm so confident in my gun and gear that i'm never gonna have a malfunction i definitely am um i just I would rather spend my, not just I would rather, but I feel like I would be better off spending my time doing other things. And you will find that besides identifying a malfunction, most of the other drills that uh, I explained, you're essentially going to do the same thing, right? If I have, a, a, well, maybe not a squib, but a round that doesn't go off at all, what do you do? You reload the gun. Guess what? I've been practicing my reloads. And beside identifying, it's the exact same thing, right? If you have a... If you have a, I'm trying to think what you'd have with a semi, you, your magazine's not in all the way and you have to do the tap rack. Essentially, that is part of your reload, right? You, you're putting your magazine, you're racking it, and then you go. Um, yeah, uh, like I said, I think malfunctions would be good to practice. Like I said, I don't really practice. There's not really a lot that can go on with a revolver that you really need to do anything besides reload and keep shooting. You know, that's fixable in the middle of a stage. Because for a revolver... If the cylinder doesn't turn, it's probably a bad moon clip. What do you do? You reload. Round doesn't go off. What do you do? You reload. If it's a squib and you're confident that the round came out and you want to keep shooting, you just reload, right? That's that's pretty much the answer with a revolver. You just keep reloading. The only time I've ever had an issue is I've had it where I didn't crimp the cases quite enough. And especially on a 44, you're going to discover you better crimp them right or they're going to slide forward. And it seized because the, the case in the next round over had come forward. And I couldn't rotate the cylinder. So I had to sit there and knock the bullet back into the case before I could actually even open the cylinder. Yep. But I mean, if you were in a match, what would you do? You try and reload the gun. Once again, what's the answer to a revolver? You reload it. If the bullet had come right out of the case, then you're probably not going to be able to fit the other case in, or the bullet will just fall out when the cylinder's open because there's nothing stopping it from falling out at that point. Or the bullet's going to be lodged in there, going to be lodged in your cylinder. You're not going to be able to put your next round in. Or it's still being held on a little bit by the case, and it'll come out with the case. So once again, the answer for a revolver is reload and keep shooting. Yeah, if you can. Yeah, if you can. Yeah, that's a good if point. If you can. There are, there are, there are situations <laughs> where you can't swing open the cylinder, or the only other thing really is a squib round that's stuck in your barrel. Um, I never risk it. The only time I have ever risked it is when I was shooting paper that was like three yards away and I took two shots and I could, and one of them was a squib and I looked at the target and I saw two holes and I'm like, yep, it came out the barrel. Good enough. But 
I'm not saying that you should do that at your first match or really any of your matches. That's just me and my really terrible advice. (laughs) All right. So after reloading, then I get into all the six reload sixes. So that means I have three targets set up. Um, How far apart you want to put them, it's up to you. The closer together, the easier it is. The farther apart, obviously, the harder it is. Um, And essentially, I draw, shoot each target twice, reload, shoot each target twice again. And I do that in a whole pile of different ways. I start with uh, all freestyle, starting uh, just hands relaxed aside. Do it again, but starting in the surrender position. Do it again. Do it El Prez style. So you're going to turn turn and draw with your hand, from your hands up and then do the drill. And if you haven't figured out, there's a bit of a rhythm here. You do it again. Six reload six. I do it started with uh, hands relaxed side. I do the first six shots, I do my reload, and then I do strong hand only after the reload. Do the six shots, strong hand only. And same thing again, but instead, after the reload, instead of doing strong hand, I do weak hand only. And then after that, uh, well, this one's a little bit more unique. I find uh, you see it in Epstick, and you, you rarely see it in IDPA, but you do see it from time to time, is an unloaded draw, which is when... The gun is in your holster, but there's no magazine, no round in the chamber. Sometimes you'll have a magazine in, but no round in the chamber, so you have to pull it out and rack it before you actually shoot um, after the beep, so it's all on the timer, so it actually, so it matters. Um, but I found lots of times with the, revol- well, with the revolver, there's no real, you can't have a magazine in without a round being in the chamber. So that means you get an empty gun. So I specifically practice drawing and loading the gun right out of the draw. And once again, that's almost like the old draw ones. I'm just bringing the gun out to the target, get my sight picture, and I'm done. Um, yeah, I also do that. I practice that specifically because I don't do it normally. I actually start my reload when my gun's still in the holster. And that's just because a revolver is a two-handed reloading gun. Like, you, re- you need two hands to open up the cylinder and to eject all the cases. So I kind of do it half inside my, re- my holster, so I only need one hand. It's just to speed stuff up because... I'm trying to shave off, you know, decimals of seconds, not just seconds. Um, after that, I do a table draw. Yeah. So that means essentially the gun starts on the table and I just draw it and point at one target. Um, you'll see this quite often. It's a pretty popular start position. Um, I hate table draws. But yeah, you want to practice it because you hear all the time about people who are trying to go too fast and they knock the gun off the table and that's an instant DQ. Um, or they spin their gun if they don't grab it properly and the gun spins on the table. Well, you just swept everybody. Um, you're going home. Doesn't matter if the gun's loaded or not. Um, there's a lot of things that, like, as simple as it sounds, it's like, yeah, I'm picking the gun up off the table. That's, you know, I do that more often than I pull it out of the holster because every time I pull it out of my safe or put it down and pick it back up, it's off a table. But trust me, when that beeper goes off, it's you just turn into an idiot and you'll screw things up. So it's always good to practice. Um, also, just sometimes simple stuff. Like, you see people do weird things like, uh, I put my gun down the way I'm going to pick it up, right? Because, I mean, a gun is, you're not going to stand it up on edge, obviously. Well, I mean, I've heard of people who do that, but that's something that I would not recommend. Um, I've seen people who put it so, like, the, the, the grip is on the left-hand side of the, of the barrel. And it's like, why are you doing that? You're right-handed. You have to pick up the gun, flip it over, and then grab it. Why not put the gun with the grip is, you know, in a way that you can just naturally pick the gun up. Also, you'll want to, if you're going to do what I do, which is you use your left hand and you kind of sweep underneath the uh, the top strap of your gun to kind of lift it up so that my, my strong hand can just grab and grip properly with fingers wrapped around and everything. You want to know that where you're going to stick your left hand is good. Because I can't remember what gun it was, but I remember trying that one time and I kept jamming my hand into the rear sight. And the sight was sharp. It was not a fun thing to do. So, just little things like that. I Actually, the idea of a two-handed pickup is a good idea because it gives you a lot more control. Because whenever I've seen people drop the guns, it's when they've been trying with one hand. Yeah. It is good to practice one-handed. Because I didn't even know this until the level three Ipsic match I shot last year. But it was a weak-hand-only stage, and it started with the gun on the table. And you were not allowed to use your other hand to help you pick it up. I was surprised by that. In IDPA, you're allowed to, I'm pretty sure, but in Ipsic, you're not. 
So it is good to know how to do it with one hand. Oh, definitely. Also, another very popular to go along with the table draw is the table draw unloaded, which is my last drill that I do. And once again, if you're assuming your gun's empty, you can do this in various positions where the gun's on the gun's always going to be on the table. Uh, I would suggest practicing it with magazines on your belt. I would suggest you practice it with magazines on the barrel. Uh, I, you know, do them an inch apart to see how fast you can go, and then you know, put them two feet apart and see if it changes your time. See if it changes anything. That's a situation where you'll probably want to grab your gun one-handed because you want one hand going for the magazine, one hand going for the gun at the same time to optimize your speed. Once again, if you're new to this and you're concerned about this in any way, don't do it. Pick up the gun with two hands, then grab the magazine and put it in. Um, but once again, with the revolver, because it's a two-handed gun to get the cylinder out, I specifically practice this a lot so that I can actually pop the cylinder open while it's still on the table. So that's why it really matters to me. Um, and that's actually about, that's pretty much the end of my uh, dry fire routine. That is my standard set of drills that I do every single time. And of course, what I do sometimes, um, do it on a treadmill. <laughs> Most of these things you can do on a treadmill. Some of them you can't, whatever. Um, but I mean, obviously, if you want to advance and really get good at, at your craft, um, I would essentially do all these same drills, um, do them all walking forward. Do them all while walking backward. Do them all walking left, walking right. Um, if you have the ability to have some sort of barricade or wall or, you know, an adjoining room where you can go through the doorway, you can even do that. So you're moving and you're moving around a wall. Um, I didn't say practicing kneeling or prone, but that's because you really don't do a lot of it. And I get some practice when I do my PPC stuff anyway, so I'm not super concerned about that for how often it comes up. With that said, I am actually in the process of building a wall for my dry fire, and I'm going to put a port, one that is just below head level, because I'm only six feet tall. I'm not a ridiculously tall person, but every port that the quote-unquote high or regular height port, it always seems to be about six inches too low for me. So I'm going to build a port into it where I have to crouch just a little bit, and then I'm going to put a low port in it where I have to squat, kneel, something along those lines. And I'm probably going to do all these same drills all over again in it. And it's just about getting comfortable so that when you get to a match, you know exactly what to expect. Well, you did very well last year. So obviously the dry firing and practice have paid off for you, Mike. Yeah, I think it has. And remember we were saying what screws you up at a match? Well, as dumb as this sound, shooting around a wall messed me up. For all my years of shooting IDPA and shooting around walls, it wasn't until I started really trying to go fast that shooting around walls was messing me up. And I realized it's probably because I wasn't practicing it, right? I didn't have a wall to use in my basement to practice shooting around a wall, getting a position, being in that awkward where you're like leaning out and around something. That's part of the reason why I'm going to build this wall so that I can practice those skills so that this year, that's one more thing that when I get to imagine, I see some you know, really hard lean angle and other people are going, oh, I can't lean like that. I'm too old for this. My knees can't handle it. They're giggling, going, Haha, I practiced this last week. I, I got this in the bag. But, yep. So, yeah, so most of my stuff is all based on shooting my primary gun, revolver, obviously with some very simple modifications. You can do it with a semi-auto. Um, but yeah, and as we kind of brought up before, uh, don't forget, dry fire isn't just for doing in your dark, damp, dingy basement with that one flickering light, you know, and that clown that showed up from time to time. Um, <laughs> when you're at the range it's, or ha and you're just warming up, what a great thing to do to warm up, right? Why waste ammo warming up when you can dry fire? Especially when you consider for matches, you can't go and shoot live rounds to warm up. You're only going to be able to dry fire. So it's a great time to kind of that repeated action. Um, also, if you're having trouble with something, take, unload your gun and practice it dry, right? You don't need am ammunition to practice every single drill. And especially if you're trying to do something maybe a little bit more complicated or a stage, um, like I remember we went and we, me and the guy I trained with, we went, we shot what they call the Louisiana X. And it's essentially one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine targets all set up in like a giant X, you know, if that makes any sense. Um, 
and it was you had to put one round on each target before you can re-engage all the targets with a second round so you had to do a little bit of mental gymnastics you know what order am i going to shoot them in don't forget that order and then shoot them all again and what you know what's the fastest way and things like that when you start doing stuff like that what a great time to just unload your gun and dry fire it so that you can burn in what your plan is so that when you actually go to practice it you're it's going to be burned into your brain. You're not going to be making mental mistakes. You're going to be making mistakes with, you know, reloading, pulling the trigger, sight alignment, all that stuff. But all that stuff, that's what you're there to practice on the range. You're not there to practice your memory game. But dry fire is a great time to do it. You're not wasting your money. You're not wasting time. And yeah, it's great. Also, if you're like me, during the pandemic, um, when ranges opened up again, our range was relatively busy and we were going on weekends because that's when uh, the guy I trained with could go. Um, so we would often get there about an hour before the range would actually open so that we could get on a bay and you can't reserve a bay at my club. If someone's already shooting on the bay, why would you go join them when there's an empty bay next to them kind of thing? So lots of times I'd get there about an hour early and, you know, I might set up the stage that we're going to shoot first or the drill. Um, lots of times I would sit there and I'd have all my gear on pretty much waiting for the clock to roll over to 10 and I would just be dry firing. So it's a great way to warm up and practice. And why not? You're at the range. You're in the environment. Yeah. Great tips there, Mike. I'm definitely going to integrate that into my routine, especially when I go shooting. Do some dry fire before. That's, yeah. a, good, that's a good tip. That is a great idea. Yep. And yeah, I mean, also, if you're having bad hits on targets and you want to see what you're doing, you can try just randomly dry firing a little bit. Sometimes your brain will switch over and say, hey, I'm dry firing. Don't flinch. You know what I mean? And it's kind of <laughs> tricks you like that. That's where drills like the ball and dummy work really well, where you have either either you do it with a partner and your partner either loads your gun or doesn't and hand it back to you and you don't know what condition it's in. And then you take your shot. And if it's loaded and you, you know, your shot goes off, okay. But if it's not loaded and all of a sudden you have this wicked flinch, you're going to see it. There's nothing that pushing sounds- that gun lining it back up. <laughs> um, I think we should try that tomorrow. Yeah. The other thing you can do is you can put random dummies in the, like a magazine when you're shooting. Obviously you want to like, don't just do this randomly. And I've heard of people who will like load up 10 magazines and they'll put a random dummy in one of them. I don't do that. That's more because I, I want to know if I have a squib or something like that, or I have a problem with my gun when I'm practicing. Um, but if you're doing it with a friend or something like that, you get them to load up your magazine and you don't know which ones are going to be dummies and which ones are going to be live. And you just sit there and shoot a target nice and slow and see what happens. You know, when that, when that dummy round pops up, you're going to see everything that you were doing that that recoil was hiding. That this is the one thing that I think revolvers are great for because it's so easy to just not put a round in one of the chambers. Yeah. yeah. So, yep. Um, any other questions, comments about uh, dry firing? Uh, no, that was very good, Mike. That was great. Great job, Mike. Yeah. So I'm interested. I'm I'm interested to hear what other people do for their dry fire because I'm always trying to get better at this. And uh, let me know if I'm missing something. Right? If there's some drill in there, some very critical piece of information that I'm missing, uh, let us know because I'd like to up my game some more. That's pretty, much, really- that's pretty much always what I want to do. I always want to up my game one more. There, there's always more you can do, right? Do you know what I really want to see now? What? You strap on the GoPro and do some drills. Live or dry fire? Dry fire. Dry fire? What do you want to see like me, like my whole body, like a third person No, I don't want to see. I don't want to see you. Put the uh, GoPro. That, that's okay. I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't want to look at my ugly face either. There's a reason why we're a podcast and not a video cast. Yeah. I actually, I disagree. I think uh, to be able to see uh, how your body is reacting, maybe from different angles, is actually a really good idea. I can see how GoPro might have a. Well, it's like first-person kind of thing. You see person. what you're actually doing, how you're, what it looks like to you, right? Yeah. In front but, of you, but. Again, watching someone do it too is probably <laughs> a bet. I think all all options there be right. great. Do you have a drill in mind? Do either of you have a drill in mind you think would be good? Think, think about it. Yeah, we'll think about that okay. and. I well, kind of like the yeah, the one the one leg with a cup of water. That might be fun. <laughs> I haven't done that one yet. I might want to practice it before I turn on the GoPro. Yeah. You know, Putting the penny on the front sight is, is a really good way to see how much uh, you're moving out that gun when you're pulling the trigger too. Yeah. 
I I have tried that in the past. Um, it some guns don't work because like you you end up having to put it on like the top strap because your front sight is too small. Or I'm looking at my 629, the whole front sight is just a giant slope. There's nowhere to put it. Yeah. Um, to be honest, <laughs> I had this really dumb problem. This is why I didn't do that one pretty much at all. And it's because I had a hard time with putting the penny on there. Like, so the gun is kind of tucked in. You have your strong hand on it. You put your penny on. Now you have to wrap your weak hand around the gun, extend it out, pull that trigger. And if you're using a semi, you get one click. Yeah. So you have to balance it that whole time. And that's where, like, I, it's dropped, it I dropped it off more time to trying to get it to, like, extend my arm out. And that's when I just, like, screw it. Like, I'd rather focus more on other things than waste my time doing that. The only thing it's really good for is actually showing you how much motion you're putting into it because the penny won't stay on. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. There are good things like that. Uh, or even uh, some people like using lasers. Yeah, um, they're popular. Yeah. Uh, and they're good for some things, and they'd probably be good for that. The problem that you can also run into, this is why I'd say maybe use that for that specific drill, like just for pulling the trigger to make sure you're not moving the gun too much. The problem with that becomes if you're trying to do other drills, you're not looking at your gun anymore. You start looking at a dot on the target, right? You're not aiming your gun. You're just, it's like using a laser pointer or uh, like a, yeah. like a, like a mounted one on your gun. Like you're no longer looking at your sight. You're looking for a red dot. And I mean, if you are practicing self-defense in the U S and you, you know, you have one of those one inch barrel guns where the sights are useless. So you put a red dot on it. Like a lot of those little one-inch revolvers, they all come with little red dots on them. Sure, that would be a great thing to practice is being able to spot that little red dot. But if you're practicing dry fire for like the games and, you know, 99.99% of the time when there's not going to be a red dot on your gun or a laser on your gun, I think that you're training yourself to do the wrong thing. True. Yeah. My opinion, your experience may vary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, let me know what uh, drill you guys would like, and I will record it in many different ways, and you guys can tell me how goofy I look. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> All right. Yeah, so uh, if you have any feedback, questions, comments about this episode, or any episode, uh, you can send an email to host at newshootercanada.ca, our Facebook page, or in the comment section on our website at newshootercanada.ca. Uh any closing comments from anyone? No, I'm really upset about this whole liberal and Bill Blair thing, but I'll just go off the rails, so I'm not going to say anything. That is, <laughs> I think that is a very good idea. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, we'll save that for a shorter episode where we need some filler. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't think you can do that at a topic without it being a long episode, though. Yeah. 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 Very much so. yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, any shout-outs, Thomas? Uh, shout out to my wife Terry for putting up with me for the last few months being stuck home. It's it's been uh, we haven't killed each other yet. <laughs> yeah, but I haven't taken her shooting either. So <laughs> that's good. Uh, what about you, Josh? Uh, no, no, no shout outs. Okay, Amanda. No, not not this week. No? Okay. Well, I'll just say happy birthday to you, Josh late obviously okay. but uh, happy birthday <laughs> 39 for the first time yep yep <laughs> yep and uh i'll shout out a shout out not that he listened to it but uh my buddy rob who uh you know set me up for this pretty sweet deal that i got this revolver for so uh yeah i'm yeah. excited to get this out and shoot this yeah like the, the guy gave you a smoking deal on the gun yep and and like i said i i kind of hinted at him like hey you know you're selling this for a great price and he kind of said like yeah, I know it's a great price, but it's better than what the store will give me, so I'm I'm okay with selling it because that's my only other option. Oh wow! So uh, you helped him out, and you got a deal too. That's good. Yeah. Now the real question is: Am I going to keep it, or am I going to sell it and buy something else? <laughs> you that, could resell it and make a profit. In the I same could, day. but I also would be like, no, gun for gun. Yeah. One in, one out. Yep. Or I just one in. It. That also works too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're it, just gonna be shooting 44 special for competition, it'd be fine. As when you're shooting the hunting loads, they beat you up. Yeah, and there's definitely a part of me that wants to keep it because I know the odds of me ever buying another 629 is very slim. And this is my only 44 Magnum. And like you said, people love it because they know about it from Dirty Harry, right? 
because uh, that, that's in a scene somewhere, I want to say, where he makes the offer mark to the other cops about how they're shooting the wimpy 357 Magnum, be a man, shoot the 44. I don't know. I'm not a super <laughs> fan, but I know that that's in there somewhere. So, I mean, yeah. like, I have friends that I took to the range once, and what they cared about was what video games and what TV shows or movies had my, had the same guns that I have in them. Yeah. So, yeah. that's where it's like, you know what, I might end up keeping it for that, but at the same time, like, oh, I could I could use another gun. I could use a new gun. Well, it's such a great deal for a good edition of the collection, so you got to keep yeah, that. One. I think you yeah. got to keep it at least for a while, or, or sell it to me for what you paid for it. Whatever. <laughs> well, maybe when I maybe when I uh, get down there, I'll, I'll bring it and you can shoot it, and then you can maybe you might readjust your position on that. I've shot one. Oh, before. he. Yeah. Oh, you've shot a forty-four before. Yep. Well, I, I haven't. I haven't shot factory loads, but I've shot reloads. Okay. Uh, Dave at the club, he has one. He lets me shoot it sometimes. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Yeah, well, bring a box of Winchester white box or some of the uh, federal 240 grain, and we'll see how much he would like <laughs> shooting 44 mag. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I guess I've never shot a 44 mag. They'd be 44 special, and they were loaded by him, so I don't know what his what his power was. So yeah. Well, that the, the, the problem with them is, and I've I've had three of them. And I like the guns. They're great guns. But after a couple of weeks, I start developing a flinch. Yeah. If I'm shooting them high-powered, I start flinching. So I, that's, as soon as I start to flinch, I sell the gun. Yeah. Then I get the urge to buy another one. I start to flinch. I sell the gun. So <laughs> It was the only gun that made me flinch was my, my 44s. I've had three 29-2s. Yeah. I just got smoking deals on them. So, oh, that one's really nasty, but that's such a good deal. So I buy it. Yeah. And of course, it's nasty. I sell it, make a profit, and then it happens again. I get another one of the good deals. So Yeah. That's just entrepreneurship, though. Oh, yeah. If it falls in your lap, it's like, oh, $400? Sure. Here you go. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. But we'll see. I don't. I. I. I can see myself very much. I'll take this out and I'll shoot the full power loads, and it's going to be the kind of gun. Like, and I have a couple of them, and I'm. I'm not going to sell them because I like them. Where like you. You drag them out to the range, maybe once a year, maybe every couple of years, or like I said, when you bring someone new out to the range and you shoot a couple cylinders through, and you're like, yeah, that's fun. But I don't want to do this and like you said, develop a flinch or spend a buck around every time when you take a shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's probably my, yeah, that would be the biggest hindrance for me for wanting one <laughs> is the cost. Oh my gosh. Yeah. When I was looking for prices, I saw the bulk price ammo and I'm like, it was, I think the cheapest I could find it in bulk price, which was not in stock. So who knows what it would actually be if it came back in stock was something like 68 cents around. Oh wow. And I was just thinking like, man, that is so much more than everything else. And like, when you consider that I reload my ammo for, I don't know what, I can't remember off the top of my head, 13, 15 cents a round. Like that is expensive, but how many rounds am I going to put through my gun of 44 Magnum a year versus how many rounds do I put through my 38s? Right. I, exactly. Yeah. You got, you got to look at that. You, you're using double the components compared to your, your 357 or nine millimeter. You, your bullets, 100, 240 grains, you know, yeah. nine millimeters going to be 140 grains. Your nine millimeters only hold what three point nine. You can get what eleven grains into your forty four. Everything's just double. Oh wow! So your weight, your powder, your case. So it's just it costs twice as much money to manufacture them, and they don't sell them um, by the same volumes that they sell like nine millimeters or or not even forties these days. Yeah. So they're more money. Yeah. Oh yeah, and I, and I completely under I understand it. Just a thicker price shock when you see it for the first time. I mean, I had the same thing when I first started shooting my 38s, and I saw how much people wanted for 38 special. <laughs> they wanted like 50 cents a round. And I was like, why? It's For me to reload it, it is virtually the exact same price as my 9mm. But to buy factory stuff, like you said, because the demand isn't as high, you can find it in bulk, but it's not as high, so you still have to pay quite a bit more. Like even the bigger stores, they're still going to be charging you forty, fifty dollars a box for a box of fifty. If you go to some of these smaller places, they're going to be charging you fifty-five, sixty dollars a box. Yeah, yeah. But we'll see. I I talked to my buddy, and he kind of he kind of said I might be able to go use some of his setup to load some ammo if I needed to for the match. But I kind of yeah, told can't him, you, can't you guys just share dice? You could share dice. You'd have to constantly be resetting them. Um, that's pain. This, that's an absolute pain. <laughs> which, consider this, when I was talking to him, he said he has two sets of dice for his 44. 
one set that he uses for when he's making his his as he calls them special loads which are like max pressure i want to you know punish myself and everyone around me from the shock wave and he has a whole nother set of dice that he uses just for his like uh for his wimpy load that he uses for com- or that he has used in the past for competition <laughs> so yeah i don't know i i'm tempted to get some dies and start reloading for it but kind of the question of how much am i going to shoot it comes up first so i guess i'll keep it for the year at least obviously and uh well, actually, Amanda already decided for me that I'm going to keep it forever. Which, whatever, that's fine. I'm just in, well, you know, I'm just, I'm just indecisive. I need while. someone. I'm just indecisive, and I need someone to decide for me. So, just the, just the cost alone, I think the dies would pay for itself because they're what is a set of dies going to cost you for it? Um, I don't know. I haven't looked into it, but I imagine Lee's. I could get a set of Lee dies for probably less than fifty bucks. I imagine. Yeah, that's a oh. box of ammo. It's not a big yeah. Deal. Yeah. So I mean. I don't know you what get, to get the lead dies, resizing dies max. Say you're maybe seventy five bucks. Yeah, I just got to find some bullets, which I know Campro makes. I think forty four mag bullets, and there's a dealer in Ottawa I could go to. Uh, the guy I bought it from, he actually gave me two very small Ziploc bags of forty four magnum that he found when he got the when he got the gun out, I guess. But I mean, there's not. I could load these, and it would be good enough for like a range trip. Like I said, you bring someone new to the range, they just wanna they wanna. I've had some friends who come and they say, what gun recoils the most? I want to try it. Right. So, I mean, it's good enough to, you know, load up some hot rounds and do it, but it's not enough for if I want to shoot it consistently and competitively. You know what I've noticed about the last two 44s that I bought? That they come with the original box of ammunition that the guy bought with the gun. Yeah. (laughs) They've never finished the first box and they want to sell it. Yeah. Yep, and you know what? I kind of half anticipate that's what's going to... I thought of that, too. I'm like, you know what? Outside of possibly doing this match with some friends all shooting 44 Magnums, because, you know, we hate ourselves, um, I thought, like, yeah, I could just go buy one hot box, like, factory-loaded, 240-grain, hot-heavy stuff, you know, your bare defense load, 50 rounds of them, and they will probably last me years, because, like you said, I'll bring friends out, they'll shoot one of those, and be like, nope, like, yeah, that was fun. I'm good. I don't need to shoot another one. Yeah. Like I, uh, I have a friend who has a uh, a 500 Smith and Wesson, and he said, I think he said that no one has ever finished a cylinder through that gun. Because everyone gets it, shoot one, maybe two, and then usually they say that's enough. I'm done. Oh yeah, it's nasty. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I, I I haven't shot one, but I I imagine that it's not that bad. Now mind you, no, it's, since, it's he told, since he it's, told since he told. <laughs> Since he told me that, though, it, I I see it as a challenge. So I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm gonna shoot a whole cylinder through this thing. You could totally and, do. It. I, I just didn't. I I could do it, but I just didn't because I felt bad about spending the money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well. Yeah. Because it wasn't my wasn't my ammo, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, I understand that. Yeah, that's a good point. Maybe I'll make sure to bring like a ten uh ten or twenty bucks with me, and I'll just slip it into his range bag when he's not looking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but. Yeah, that, and because he's a competitive shooter, there's a part of me that's like, no, not only do we have to shoot these five rounds off, found five rounds off with no complaining, I have to do it as fast as I possibly can. Mm-hmm. Get some shooting gloves. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe this 44 Magnum will be good training for me, right? For that. You'll like it. It's a nice gun. Yeah. Just, just gotta. It is a very beautiful. It is a very beautiful gun. Like he took, like I said, he I think he said he shot less than. 100 rounds through it and i mean the gun is immaculate it had no scratches on it i haven't given it any yet but i'm sure that will come soon um everything just the fit and finish of everything just looks beautiful on it so i'm quite happy with it and you do wake people up when you touch it off at the range yeah that'll that'll be the good morning wake up call by the way 10 (laughs) o'clock boom (laughs) yeah all right anyways uh, unless there's anything else, uh, Thomas, you want to take us on out of here? Okay, to next week, keep your barrels downrange and smoking. Time spent at the range is time spent with family. Go ahead and shoot like a girl. Choose your caliber wisely. Good night, everybody. Thanks for listening. Good night. Well, I really like 22 now. 
Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear from you with any questions or feedback you may have, or if you just want to call shenanigans. You can contact us at host at newshootercanada.ca or through our Facebook page. The way they look, I like the shiny steel and the polished wood. I don't care if they're big or small. They're for sale till I want them all. I like guns. I like guns. I like guns. I'm sorry for keeping everyone for two hours talking about literally shooting nothing. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay.